football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, let's open the 5 o'clock hour with a little uh, basketball, also some football, and tell you that uh, Josh Jacobs is going to be on the road with Q Myers over on Raider Nation Radio 920. Q is our uh, afternoon host, and he'll be with the Raiders running back on Friday, starting at 6 o'clock, Ford Country in the Valley Auto Mall, 6 o'clock to 7.30, a meet and greet with Raiders running back Josh Jacobs. Lots of free food on hand from Crumble Cookies, Porta Subs, and Buffalo Wild Wings. Get involved in the event at uh, jjafc.eventbrite.com. We'll uh, tweet out details on that on uh, ESPN Las Vegas. You go to my Twitter account, at Steve Cofield. There's a graphic up from this morning about the event. But again, Josh Jacobs and Q Myers hanging out at Ford Country in the Valley Auto Mall, 6 o'clock. I think meet and greet goes until 7.30. So we were just talking a little basketball, Mountain West basketball, with Jeff Grammer from the Albuquerque Journal. New Mexico is one of the good stories in the conference. They're off to an unbeaten start. So is Utah State. So is UNLV. On the basketball front, just a couple of quick things to mention. Jeff mentioned former Wichita State big man Morris Udeze, who's 6'8 and about 250. Uh, when I got to see him last year up close because uh, Wichita played UNLV, it was like, wow, okay, this, this guy's got some game. When UNLV made a run at him and it came down to New Mexico and UNLV, like, man, this guy could be really important for the program. But you know it's funny? As Jeff Grammer was talking about how good the kid has been and he's averaging 19 points a game, I wonder what his role would have been on this UNLV team. Like, is he the starting center? And then, hey, if you can defend, then you're going to be out there. But I don't think he's a great defensive player. And they have had so – this team's identity is one big, four smalls. Well, I think he's – I, I wonder what they would have done. I actually think he's a pretty good defensive player, but not in the way that they play defense. Like he's a pretty, he's, he's, not a pretty switch, good, he's not switching five positions. Right, he's a pretty good interior defender. Like you've like seen like Vigawako on the floor covering point guards. Right, and that so he wouldn't have really fit what they wanted to do defensively, I think would be the biggest yeah. issue. So they have had to change everything that they do, which would probably make them a worse team even with a better player, which I know that's a tough concept. But Seems weird, right? It does seem weird, but I think that's kind of the situation they may have been in uh, if that was the case. I think the bigger question is how, how much could you have impacted New Mexico by getting him, and is it worth – impacting another team by making them worse if it makes you worse. Probably not. There's always weird turmoil in and around the New Mexico community. And we had the story unfold about three weeks ago, and it really started at the football game between New Mexico State and New Mexico where there was a brawl, multiple brawls, and one of the New Mexico State players was involved in the brawl. So long story short, he comes to town because New Mexico State and uh, New Mexico play a series back and forth every year. So he's in town for the first basketball game between the two basketball teams, and he's invited over to a party. Well, meanwhile, the guys who got whooped up by this basketball player, Mike Peake and others, wanted revenge, and one of them was armed. So New Mexico State player accompanies a young lady who was kind of the, you know, she's the she, she's actually been charged too. Um, she convinced him to go at, what, 3 o'clock in the morning? 3.15. Right, 3.15 in the morning. And a shooting ensued, and you showed me the video yesterday. The video's out of the shooting. That is – that's crazy, just well, the way it went down. It's also a case of the original reporting, the original story. I would imagine they watched the video because it was right on. Like everything that was reported at the beginning is exactly what happened in the video. A mm-hmm. uh, kid was lured over. I mean, he's walking with the young lady back to her yep. – Dorm. The two of them walk up to a dorm. They walk up the stairs. All of a sudden, you see 
you know, in the foreground on the camera, three people start running up and they're all kind of like posting up so they can kind of be around him. Um, they get up to him and then what happens? One, one, the main kid who ends up dying pulls a gun on the New Mexico State basketball player, holds it right to his head. Another guy's got a pipe. He yeah. nails the, the guy. baseball bat. Oh, it was a baseball bat? Yeah. Nails him twice in the legs. Yeah. He's a bit debilitated. And then the, the gun comes out. Yeah. And so he, he had a gun to his head that before. Then they hit him with the bat after the gun had already okay. been pulled. And so he had his hands up. That's why he had his hands up and then they hit him low. So they hit him twice in the in the leg with a bat. So he starts running away. As he runs away, the kid continues to follow him with the gun pointed at him and shoots him. Misses. But the New Mexico State basketball player, as he ran away, had a gun on him. Pulls it out. Fires back. Uh, he eventually falls as he's running and then fires back again because the kid still had the gun out and kills him and then gets away. And then, as Jeff was saying, out of camera range, but what has now been reported a car pulls up, which is reportedly three New Mexico State basketball players who probably dropped him off, come back. He throws the gun into the trunk. They drive back to the hotel, and there's all kinds of questions about what the what the basketball coaches knew when they knew it. Uh, the, the interviews with the coaches are on video, and they're out. You can watch those. Um, some things in there that I didn't like at all that the coaches were saying, uh, but are all part of the investigation. Uh, the coaches then rally the team, get on the bus, and leave. Huh. And the police, as Jeff said, they hadn't specifically told them not to leave, but they're like, where are you going? We're, so, we're in the middle of an investigation. So they go and pull over the bus. They ask to speak to the three kids that they believe drove the getaway car. Getaway car is not the right, you know what I'm saying, right. Yeah. Uh, that drove the car. And the, the coaches said, no, you're not talking to them. They're getting lawyers, which is probably the right thing, but – it's also not the most helpful for the investigation. Uh, the gun couldn't be found at first, and then when it became pretty clear that it was a self-defense case, the gun was produced. Uh, so hmm. what was going on there? Yep. There's just a lot of questions about what the basketball program did. Now, to be fair, I'm sure everyone on that team was freaking the heck out. Like they were, Nobody knew what to do, what was going on. It was a chaotic scene, I'm sure. But the cooperation didn't come quickly, uh, as you know has been reported. And there's a lot of questions still to be answered. First of all, why on earth he had a gun anyway uh, was, is certainly a question. Um, he's on a team road trip. It's a school I activity. Think, thinking I'm going to New Mexico and someone might be out to get me. His instincts were correct. Well, they, would they have come to the hotel? Or did you plan on going to, to the campus would be the question. Um, so there's, I mean, there's, look, there's You're a lot of questions. the invite might have been convenient for him. Oh, No. No, I'm saying if you, yeah, before you even left campus, did you think you were going to go to campus? Did they already invite you before you went on the trip? Yeah. I mean, that that could be the question too. I don't, I don't know. So there's a lot there. And I know uh, I haven't uh, read the story yet, but I know there was just a recent story about uh, the coach of New Mexico State kind of saying, like, I, I don't know if we're still targets, if they're going to come get us now, if there's retaliation, who knows what's going on. So now they're all living in that, you know, panic and fear and, and that's often what happens in cases like this. And no games this year. Between those teams, no. I don't, think in, I don't think in any sport. Which is probably the right thing. Like, this started a football game, carried over to basketball game. That's enough. College football hires. Purdue hires a coach. Has connections to UNLV's Barry Odom. Yeah, former uh, coach under under him. 
uh, at Missouri. And uh, I Ryan guess- Walters, who was the DC at Illinois, he was on the Mizzou staff from 2015 to 2019. The thing I find intriguing: a couple things. He's the DC, 36 years old. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator at Illinois. Right. I've already seen some Purdue people are like, why are we hiring a defensive coach? Right. I mean, UNLV fans could be thinking the same thing. Sure. And Barry Odom doesn't mean you can't get, you know, a stud OC and, and make it work. Uh, to me, though, Purdue's one of those outliers in the Big Ten that's always, I, I feel like, has, has always been a little ahead of the curve trying to play offense as opposed to, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust like the rest of the Big Ten. Um, but what I want to follow now is I don't think Dion's going to work at Colorado long-term, and this guy played at Colorado, and he's, what, the third youngest Division One coach, fourth youngest Division One coach. Like, who would you rather have moving forward for long-term success over the next five years, this Ryan Walters guy or Dion? Well, I think 99.9% of people would say Dion, yeah. but I also don't think he's going to do a great job. Well, I don't – I mean, he's going to get really, really, really good players. Okay. So maybe it'll maybe it'll be a bridge to something else. Possibly to to maybe this is they need this to get the you know the school behind the football program the money generated, and then if he doesn't work out after four years, it's it it's a more attractive job than it was. Yeah, maybe and, and maybe it works. Like I don't, I I don't believe Dion's a great X's and O's coach. Uh, I think he's hired some pretty decent people uh, to work with him. And I think Dion's job is to just get players, and I think he will. So, I, I mean, I think it'll work in that regard. If you were going to tell me, is Dion going to be watching, you know, 70 hours of tape a week and breaking down the other team's offense? Like, I no, I don't think so. But I don't think that's what he's planning on doing. I think he's right. planning on going in there and having a bunch of guys coach and him being a CEO and getting all the players. Like, that's I think that's the plan, and I think that'll work. In this day and age, in the NIL era, I think that's probably the way to go. Coming up, more Raiders updates on the roster. Also got to get to uh, Adam's story the other day about some of the worst losses in Raiders history. But right now, let's give away some tickets. 364-1100, Caller 7. Las Vegas Bowl tickets. We got Florida and Oregon State in town. 11.30 kickoff. Ticketmaster.com is where you get your tickets for the Las Vegas Bowl. It's on Saturday again. 11.30 kickoff. SEC going up against the Pac-12. We've got a pair of tickets right now. Go to Ticketmaster.com to grab your tickets for the game at the Alba. Call her 7 at this moment, 364-1100. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. So we're in that situation, and the fans are doing the wave around the stadium, and so I'm just watching, and I hear Ben Johnson's like, hey, coach, you want to... I'm so focused on the wave, and I said, yeah, that's fine. And I look up, and we're throwing it to Panay, and I'm like, what the are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> it was fine, so, but it worked out great. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. All right, we'll unpack that Dan Campbell story in just a couple minutes. But first, I wanted to unpack something else and maybe put it to rest. The Raiders lose this Thursday game in just horrific fashion. Adam mentioned going into the locker room down at SoFi and has never been in an environment like that after a game with a team. They were just busted up. So then you made him feel better by writing a story about the, what, five other losses the Raiders have suffered that are probably worse. No, included included that. Oh, it was in the top five? Oh, come on. It was in there. 
Salt in the wound. Well, sometimes you write stories that you want to write, and sometimes you write stories that you're assigned to write, Steve. Okay. So. Well, I, I figured you were assigned to write that one. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So what was the worst ever? Well, I I put the Dolphins, uh, the loss of the Dolphins where they were trying to clinch a playoff berth, and they uh, decided to not allow Josh Jacobs to score a touchdown right. uh, to try to run out the clock as much as they could and kick a field goal, which is great if you can run it down to zero, but they only ran it down to about 20. But then they were like, okay, Dolphins only have 20 seconds and no timeouts to go 70 yards to get in right. field goal range. No problem. Throws, Fitzy throws a blind pass. Uh, blind pass with his head twisted around all the way by Arden Key. I believe it was Arden Key. Yeah. And uh, it, actually the deep throw goes to Mac Hollins, who's a current Raider. Uh, he picks up about 35 on the play, 15 yards tacked on uh, because of the penalty. Clock stops and uh, Dolphins are able to... Kick a field goal, win the game, knock the Raiders out of postseason contention. Any old timey games on the list? No, it was, uh, it was, Las, just Ve- it was Las Vegas. Just era. Las Vegas, okay. Because I said one of the one yeah. of the things I said. It's hard to understand context. The reason the Rams loss was so brutal is not necessarily because they lost the game. Like it was a normal, right. somewhat normal loss. I mean, it was a tough drive, it but it's because the Rams had a quarterback that wasn't on the team forty eight hours earlier. Right. Uh, so that that kind of context is hard to put into historical reference. So I just did uh, of the Las Vegas era. And, uh, yeah, I think the Dolphins' loss was worse. And then the the crazy part of this is it's only three years. There's five spots. People are like, what about this game? What about like, – there should not be that many lists, not many options, options for the yeah. list when, when it's only been three years. But it's been – there's been a lot of brutal losses. The Saints game was horrific. Uh, the Jaguars' loss was bad. That wasn't on there. Uh, you know, you had you had the Cardinals' game, which was a total meltdown. That wasn't even on the list. Like, there's a lot of choices that didn't even make the list. It's been crazy. <laughs> it really has. By the way, no game from 2021. It was oh, all they won, they won 2020 all the close games. Yeah, exactly. That's what happens year to year. Sometimes it just goes goes the wrong way for you, and it goes the wrong way for you a lot on multiple occasions. Devastating losses left and right. Coming up, let's get to uh, Dan Campbell's story. That Boy, that's, that's a weird one. They ran one of the great plays of the season around the National Football League, and Dan Campbell had no idea what the hell was going on. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Early grab bag. We're going to talk to Sam Penny-Otovich in just a couple minutes, our gambling insider, look at it, bowl games, and also week 15 in the National Football League. So we were just telling or just played the audio of uh, Dan Campbell going on your guy, uh, McAfee show, and that pass that they ran to Panay Sewell where he comes in motion, you know, 6'3", 335-pound tackle, goes in motion. Was that third and seven? I think it was third and seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a pass out to the flat. Sewell, no problem catching it. Athletic, dives forward. First down. They ask Campbell about it on McAfee's show, and he explains that he had he had no idea what they were running because he got distracted by shiny objects. Yeah, they're doing the wave, he, and like, he's watching. He, he re- We've talked about Dan Campbell versus your guy, Brandon Staley, and your other guy, Mike McDaniel, and I guess your other guy, Kevin O'Connell, uh, like the big galoot versus the nerds, like that is the ultimate big galoot move. Oh yeah, like he, he doesn't, doesn't he, do the he doesn't know there. what play is being run, and he actually, I mean, I could do this because I'm ADHD out of my mind now, but I'm not running a football team. 
Where you just you just say yes, and then you're like, wait, what did I say yes to? Yeah, the offensive coordinator signaled down, said, "Hey, coach, we've got that." He said, "Hey, he said they've been working on it for a while. Yeah. He's been he's been wanting to get Panesul the ball because he thinks he's just too good of an athlete to waste." Right. Uh, so, coach said, "Hey, what about right now? Should we do it right now?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah whatever." Let me watch whatever. The, I'm watching the wave. I'm watching the wave. <laughs> then they run the play. Wow, Miramonov ties the game. Look at that one one uh, game with the Knights and and uh, Winnipeg. So they they run the play, and what's Campbell's reaction? Like, whoa, whoa, what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> good job. Good job. I just told you. You Coach, said we yes. Asked, we asked if you wanted to run it. I was watching the crowd. Don't Sorry. ask me questions when they're doing the wave. You know yes. I love it. Don't ask me questions during the game. Not always watching the game. You know I love I mean, you know when I love he the is wave. eventually fired, do they not point to that he's moment? Not get, he's not getting fired. Oh, a big game this week for you. It, hold on one second. Is it... <laughs> It is crazy. Like, they're so desperate for any morsel of success. If this guy brings them to the playoffs, are they going to sign him to, like, a 10-year extension? She should. And then he just wins 30 just games him, in the next 10 years? Just give him the keys. <laughs> Let him take over the whole thing. But but he just told you. He's just a bystander. Hey, put people in place to make plays. No, you know, you know what, though? What did you just say 10 minutes ago about Deion Sanders? That he should be that, the CEO. He's going to be the CEO, and he's going to be successful. That at De- it. Dion has a job, and that is get the players. Yeah, and and motivate. And there might be some X's and O's, but probably not going to be his gig. And we know Dan Campbell. Is, there's no X's and O's. Very few. He's just there to yell and scream and cry, and not pay attention to the plays. Sometimes it works. And watch the crowd doing the wave. He's got a he's got a uh, bobble who even head. likes the wave. Dan, just look, 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 and listen to Dan Campbell. Look, look at Dan Campbell and listen to him. Who likes the wave? Cavemen. <laughs> like they're moving. It's not Dan Campbell's voice, he's but much, just, that's inner. That's my inner like. Big much, he's much more eloquent than that. Wait, what's a big week for me? What happened? Jets Lions. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm actually fired. I'm fired up about this because I'm kind of insulted. I'm like seriously. The Lions are a pick. Give me a break. Lions' power numbers are very good. And who knows who's playing quarterback? Because Mike White looked like he was dead. He got he got bit so far in half. Who got hit harder? The poor, normal-sized 12-year-old in the video of the oldest-looking 12-year-old in the world or Mike White getting folded in half? Mike White. I thought Mike White like literally got broken in half. He did. Oh, my God. Okay, this twelve-year-old thing is—is—it's the rage of the internet. I don't even know the backstory. Where the hell is this? I, I have no idea. There is a there is a video nothing. with a twelve-year-old football player. He doesn't look a day under thirty-four. He's he's Keon Clark. No. Remember Keon Clark was in college and he looked like he was fifty-two. No. No. Armani Rogers looked at the kid and he's like, "Man, he looks old." Yeah. Greg Odin is like, "What is with yeah. that kid?" Yeah. And to your point, go ahead. Keon Clark, UNLV legend. Yeah, he who looked, looked who looked forty four when he was at UNLV. Yeah, that's this kid. This kid, if you told me that this was this kid had you know four kids and you know was a whatever dentist, but yeah, that makes sense. He's, he's an older guy. He might be. He might have had kids late in life. He's an older gentleman. I believe it's on the up and up. <laughs> How? I believe it's on the. Some There's people just look really old. No when way that kid's twelve. I think it's on the up and up. Daniel Mate doesn't believe this. Explain who that is again to the audience. Am I not? <laughs> Daniel Mate was the little league kid who was a pitcher, 
And everybody's like, he seems way older. Like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. And then it turned out he was like 18. Yes. Okay. This kid has to be. If you told me he was 33, I'd say he's older. There's no way he's only 33. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Now you got me going. I'm when when Penny Adovich is on, I hundred percent we're talking Jets and Lions. Um so I'm listening to Sports Talk Radio last night, and it was actually the CBS affiliate in town, which is odd because we have four stations, so I guess I should be listening to all our stations, but I flip around. Can I man, nah, I'm not even gonna say it. Uh so Amy Lawrence is on and she, for three minutes, complains about Twitter blue and then took like 10 shots at Odyssey, her employer, that they're too cheap to pay for it for their employees. And I'm like, what are you doing? And then she's like, I'm never getting Twitter blue. It's not that important to me. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, eh, you probably are. You are. And it's not to be verified. So Twitter blue is what? Now, there's, it's a different way to get verified. Um and they have some extra features on there, like the edit button, which oh, you hate. I hate. Um, I think you can post longer videos. Suppose high def. I, I can't see. I don't care. And there's some other features. Well, then, uh, and then last night or the other day, it's like, oh, we're going to expand to 4,000 characters. Like, no. Oh, wow. No. Like that. That's a book. Oh, man. Some of the tweets from people. Oh, no. What a nightmare. Are That's you just... going to get it? You're going to get it. I don't think so. Like in the media, like when, when I kept hearing, oh, it's not, not worth it I, to me. I'm obsessed like just, with it. It's part of your job. Pay, think about it. Think about it. Because be objective, right? Whether you, you don't like Elon Musk or not, whatever. Be objective. Do you get 100 bucks of worth? I'm not trying to pitch it to you, but like, do you get $100 of worth out of Twitter every year? Yes, you do. So well, it's not, honestly, it's not outrageous. No, and they're honestly, adding some extra I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. Because in the, it's not, people are like, oh, you, you're being political. But like, no, I, Elon Musk is ruining Twitter. He is, and and there's I can't, a, there's it's a lot not about the it's not about yeah. the political stuff. Yeah. I I have cu- like curated my timeline to a new source curated. for so long yeah. over just just like my Pandora stations are so so fire because I've worked so hard to go. Did you, you just know, likes and not? Come on, dude. Yes. You're you're forty plus. Don't use fire. Fire is a very outdated it's, term. It's it's what an older person would use to try to sound younger. It's not. It's fine. I like I have curated that by. You know, you have to yes, no a bunch of songs for long periods of time, and then you're like, all right, cool, I got my stations. We're good. Curated. We're good now. I did the same thing with Twitter. I have so many different timelines, but most of them are based on, hey, look, this is verified content. This is this is stuff that's just kind of silly, whatever. I have all these different Isn't there dreams. like new verified? You, do you want a different color check mark? Well, they're that doing that. They're doing they that now, which is are. a mess. I know well, now you have to go through. But the worst part is all these people are getting fake verified yeah. and then DMing. Wait, I, thought, I think I'm fake verified now. Yeah, I don't even know what I am. I'm verified, but legacy, but it's not going to change. <laughs> I don't even a, know what it is. They put a new description for people who were verified years ago. And believe me, we are nobody. I don't even know how you got verified, but I know I, I got it because I worked at Yahoo. Well, I got a, a, a You know, a national website. That's how I got it. Like, right. I'm not important. I, I, really I got a DM from, I, I got really a DM from Twitter support yesterday that was yeah. verified. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I have to... I have to go through this process, but it's a fake verified Twitter support. Is that even, like what are we doing? The, the, I, yeah, I, got a, I got a message from uh, I, I understand remember, you know the, the comedian Shuli, yeah, who's been around Stern forever. He yeah. sent me a message about there's some kind of trouble with Twitter, and it was, really it, it, was, it was fake. It was fake. It was fake. Why did somebody have a fake? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I understand some of the issues that people had and why they had, and the, like, yeah. Elon fixing it, and you're like, actually, this is what ruins it. No, if it's Elon, it's great because Elon. It's like, okay, stop. 
Just stop. <laughs> he is ruining it. It's nothing to do with political stuff. The the changes that are made are no, horrific. No, your, your biggest problem is you refuse to do what? What? What have you never done on Twitter? Oh, block or mute. Yeah, that's it. Use use them. No, it ain't that it's, hard. It's not even that though. If you see jabronis and it's, fakes, this is going to be whackable. You don't want to have them. It's going to be whackable all day. That's all you're going to do now. You're just as crazy the as biggest... the, you're just as crazy as the whatever you want to call them, the muskies. No, here's but here's you're my problem. You get so worked up over here's this. Here's my problem with people. Block, are, mute, people block, are, mute. People are so like, oh, they were they were deplatforming. They weren't. They were not amplifying certain things because, because this is all a bit. Because I've had I've had my timeline to 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 chronological the entire time. Okay. So guess what? There's no such thing as deamplifying or or shadow banning, whatever this nonsense people are talking about. I see every tweet that I want to see in chronological order. Yep. That's all you had to do. Literally all you had to do to fix all this nonsense you said was a problem. Oh, they don't amplify this person. They didn't politically pick this or just set it to chronological and it fixes. All of it. You're just that dumb that you had to fall for this. Oh, you know, there's, I, I you hate know, people. Within uh, like a year and a half, there's going to be some new platform, and you'll just be on there. It's just it. But I spent so and, much time making this perfect. Whatever. We spent a lot of time on Facebook and MySpace. Not and me. Other stuff. Not me. I love Twitter. Twitter was great. Three six four eleven hundred. Caller seven and eight. Three six four one one zero zero. Silver and black after party right across the street from the Al. It's at Crazy Horse Three. Crazy Horse Three does a great party. It's coming up after the game. It's after all Raider home games. This Sunday, JVT is going to be out there with Fox Sports Radio. We got VIP passes. You and a bunch of friends get in. You get a table. You get some drinks. Caller 7 and 8, Crazy Horse 3, Silver and Black After Party, 364-1100, Caller 7. <laughs> Caller 7 and 8. Adam just needs a deep breath. I don't even know if you're doing this. He's out. I mean, I, you just lost it. Sam Paniotovich, gambling expert in next. As we look ahead to week 15, Sam, of course, from Nesson. Join Cofield and company on Thursdays for the live 2 to 5 show at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. During all NFL games this season, get 77 cent beers. It's Thursday night football at Silver 7's Flamingo in Paradise. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Tuesday spot, we always talk some gambling with Sam Paniotovic from uh, Nesson and Fox Sports. Sam, what's going on for the holidays? Getting ready to make the trip. I do this every Christmas time. I go from Boston to Chicago via the car. So I've got, let's see, seven hours to Buffalo, stay the night in Buffalo, and then seven hours back to Chicago. Why do you go to Buffalo? I mean, where else am I going to go in the middle? Syracuse, <laughs> Cleveland, Detroit. You know, I've, I've figured I've done this trip now four or five times, you know, back and forth. And Buffalo is the best of the bunch on the way from Boston to Chicago and vice versa. There's really nothing better. Well, you know, it's funny. I got confused. I was—I don't know why I was thinking you were in New York. I'm like, why are you going so far north? But I forgot you're in Boston. So you kind of, you know, if you're driving straight across and then down, you're going to hit Buffalo. So there, Plus, you know you me, buddy. I need to get my chicken wing fixed. So I got like four spots in Buffalo. I rotate them. It's a good thing for everybody. I promise. Do you go to the, uh, the big name place or Anchor? Or is that any good? I've been to Duff's. I've okay. been to The Gate. Have not done Anchor yet. And then there's a place called Wing Nuts, which is relatively new. It basically looks like uh, Knights of Columbus. 
You would never oh, wow. think they have good wings. But wing nuts in Buffalo is probably one of the best chicken wings you will ever have. Those are the best kind of places, you know, the uh, the places that aren't maybe known outside the market. Um, I wanted to go back and hit on the Heisman. So not a shocker that Caleb Williams won, but I kind of forgot how people got down on Caleb Williams in the middle of the season after USC lost the first time to Utah. And uh, I was I, I was kind of blown away that at one point he was available at 14 to one, which kind of shows, you know, during the season, you got to track these numbers. And we do. We talk about it all the time, but do not give up on Heisman candidates in the middle of the season. You know what else, too? I think we have to collectively stop worrying about like the public narrative because I talked to a lot of people in Vegas, a lot of bookmakers that were like, well, everybody's betting Caleb Williams for the Heisman. So what did I naturally do? I'm like, oh, well, it ain't going to happen, you know, because everybody was betting it coming into the season in August and September. And you're right. When he had that first tough game, Everybody went to the two quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, and they both sort of fell off a cliff down the stretch. Um, Max Duggan had a strong start and then sort of plateaued in the middle and rose back up at the end. But, I mean, Steve, honestly, I talked to six bookmakers in Vegas that said, yeah, the public is piling on Caleb Williams, and that scared me away. And the only reason it scared me away is because the public was betting him. And that's a stupid reason to not bet something, if that makes any sense. Well, you know, I was looking at your bowl plays, and it looks like you're ahead of the market on a bunch of these. And and this is really what the bowl season has become, is trying to be ahead of the market, at least right on top of the market, uh, predicting when guys aren't going to play. You could have coaching moves, and there, there's it's kind of all over the map with this. So let's talk about some of the numbers you got and, and why you got it and what changed. You have Clemson minus three against Tennessee. It's now six and a half. I had a feeling Tennessee was going to have major opt-out issues. We know that their offensive coordinator left. The two best receivers aren't going to play. Obviously, Hendon Hooker's out, the quarterback. He has a torn ACL. And there's a lot of fighting in that locker room about, you know, some things that have happened behind the scenes. I'm not going to break this stuff on your show because it doesn't matter. I mean, that's why people are betting against Tennessee. I've been told it's a volcano in that locker room right now. And Joe Milton is a quarterback that's very polarizing. Some love him. Some think he can't, you know, even throw the football. So it's a weird situation. Whereas you have Clemson, DJU is going to be in the transfer portal. So they're going to start the freshman, Cade Klubnick. That was the weakest spot of their team, quarterback. They're good on defense, solid uh, line, solid corners, um, decent playmakers, running backs are okay. They didn't have superior quarterback play. And, Putting Klubnik in over DJU makes Clemson better. So, yeah, we laid three. And I know, look, I don't want to talk about all the good bets that I have. I want to explain what I've done the last three bowl seasons, Steve. On one side of my notebook, I made a list of quarterbacks. They're all, like, either draft eligible or guys that might opt out or transfer or whatever. And I put 13 names on a sheet. And of those 13 names, I think nine of them aren't going to play. But that isn't really known when the numbers come out. You know, it's sort of a halfway number. Like, is this guy going to play? Yes, no, maybe. It's a maybe number. And then when he eventually opts out, the number is going to run all the way to the end. Like SMU BYU is another example. I found out Jaron Hall is not going to play at BYU. He hasn't practiced in over two weeks. He got hurt against Stanford. He wants to go to the draft. So on Tuesday morning, SMU is minus one and a half, two. Look at the line now, five and a half. So I'm not handicapping the games 
I'm handicapping the way I believe the market is going to go. And most of that on the left side of my notebook, as I told you, is predicated on quarterback availability. That is everything in college football. Did you roll the dice on Purdue losing uh, Brom to Louisville? Is that why you got LSU eight? Now it's ten and a half. Absolutely. And he's allegedly bringing all of his offensive staff with him to Louisville. So you're going to have like three grad assistants calling plays on offense. And who's going to get them prepared? Um, I got a text today from my buddy at Purdue who said, look, we've got literally nobody playing on offense. And I said, well, what about Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback? He wants to play because it'll be his last college football game ever. But his two best receivers are out. His running back is out. His backup running back is out. I I don't think O'Connell should play because if he does, he's going to be thrown to scrubs and backups and you know walk-ons. So that that feels like a game. And you know, people look at this market and go, well, you know, LSU, you know, you could have laid seven or eight, and now it's ten, ten and a half, eleven. This a the game might close fourteen. And B, Purdue could still lose by 30. You know, like I, I wouldn't take Purdue. If you gave me 17, I wouldn't take Purdue in this game. That's how depleted they are. And again, replacing an entire offensive coaching staff is not ideal in bowl season. Sam Paniotovich, our gambling expert on Tuesdays from Nesson from Fox Sports. You can find him up on Twitter at SP Shoot. Is there ever a time where you get a really good number, then it jumps way up, say, as a favorite, and then all of a sudden you're looking at some buyback? For a middle example, Oregon State five and a half, six to start. Florida, no Anthony Richardson. Now it's ten. I mean, you're in your middle. There is actually with a good number if it lands on seven or ten. I don't think I'm in the middle of that one. Of course, you could do whatever you want in this situation, Steve. But man, that team, Florida, is in a lot of trouble right now. And, and let's think about again the quarterback situation. Anthony Richardson bolted for the draft. Jalen Kitna, the backup got kicked off the team for child pornography. They're on quarterback three, who's basically like wheeling a bad leg, like his leg is messed up. So they're going to go to the fourth quarterback. And this is also an SEC team that's usually playing in big games. They sputter to the finish line, six and six, and now they got to go to Las Vegas and stay focused. That is not a good spot for Florida. Um, depleted, defeated. I don't like what they have right now. And then you look at Oregon State, like they want to be here. They mean business. Their entire defense is going to play in this game against Florida's four-string quarterback. Um, so I, I'm not going to middle it. I know some guys that you know if they bet twenty thousand dollars on it, yeah, they'll they'll come back for five on the dog. But I mean, I'm not playing at figures like that. I hope to never be playing at figures like that. But if I'm betting a nickel or a dime. I mean, why am I going to come back on a team that isn't really ready to play? I just middling is different in bowl season because I'm just burning money if the team gets blown out. If you uh, go up to Nesson, you can find a lot of great stories and videos. Uh, this story wasn't written by Sam, but uh, someone else at Nesson wrote three bet against favorites in week 15. I wanted to concentrate on the Chiefs. I almost never recommend laying a number like 14. It's Chiefs, Texans. I actually think we're getting a little bonus here because of the fact that the Texans just pushed the Cowboys, would you ever lay 14 this late in the season against that Texan team, which, by the way, has uh, eh, sort of tanked enough to get the number one pick, but Chiefs are 14. I made the number 20 and a half. So, All right. All right. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not taking 14. You know, Houston played maybe the A game of the year, letter-wise. Like, if you were going to grade that game, that's an A for them. 
how many A games are they going to put together back to back? None. You know, like that's the reality of the situation. And you're right. Like people are going to look at that and go, wow, they were getting 17 last week against Dallas. Um, you know, I, I just, I think Kansas City could name its score. My big fear in this game is that Kansas City goes up 28 to seven and then pulls all of the starters. But right. um, this is not a game where, you know, your average better gets involved. Most people don't love big numbers. Um, wise guys, though, they will lay. 14. Um, and I think honestly, we get closer to this kickoff. We're going to see 14 in the hook, maybe even 15. So if you like Kansas city, I would lay the 14. Now I would not wait because I expect this number to increase. Thursday night football, all the, uh, kind of the warts are kind of showing now for the Seahawks and people are, uh, fired up about the Niners, even with Brock Purdy, they look good against the Buccaneers is three and a half on the road in Seattle too much. I was looking at the total here. I sort of like the uh, the under 43 and a half. You know, Kenneth Walker the third. that's going to be a big thing to pay attention to for Seattle. I know that people tell us, you know, wise guys tell us that running backs aren't worth a lot, but this kid was running like a maniac in Seattle this year. And if you can run the football with success, you can basically do anything in the passing game, whether it be down the field or through play action. Walker was limited at practice on Monday. Pete Carroll saying he could suit up. If he can't go, man, I think that this game is going to be like 17 to 10 or 20 to 13. I think it's a black and blue NFC West affair. Uh, market actually opened 41 and a half and it's moved up to 43 and a half. I'll wait for 44. I'm in no rush here, but I think it's a game that's played more in the 30s than the 40s. So I lean to the under. Um, don't really feel the need to get involved a lot on Thursday games because they're always weird. It's always tough for that road team on Thursday to hit the highway and have a short week. So if anything, I'd bet against offense, and I'd go under the total. Yeah, probably no Debo in that game either. Uh, Lions, very hot selection right now. A pick on the road against the Jets. Dude, and people keep betting against the Lions because they're the Lions. And I was talking with Jeff Benson at Circa, and he said, look, Sam, we have them in the top 10 for power ratings right now. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, they were just a two-point favorite at home against Minnesota. So, you know, they may be the fourth highest power rated team in the NFC because we know it's Philly, Dallas, San Francisco. Who do you put ahead of Detroit? It's not Minnesota. It's not Green Bay. It's not Washington. It's not the Giants. It's not the Rams, not the Cardinals. So, you know, believe it or not, this team, Steve, they have covered six football games in a row. They've won five of the last six. They have a top three offensive line, which makes everything easier for the offense. And Jared Goff has all of his weapons back. Did you see Jamison Williams in his first game caught a touchdown right down the middle of the field? Like, they have skill. They have speed. Um, they're well coached. They're they're healthy. I don't think the Lions can can make a playoff run if they do get in, but, man, I don't want to bet against that team. It's lazy to think that they're not going to win because they're the Lions. This team is a lot better in December than they were in September and October. And yeah, dude, they might be the fourth highest power rated team right now in the NFC. Imagine saying we trust the Lions more with Jared Goff than the Chargers with Justin Herbert, but that might be the case. This number appears to be small, but I'm not betting the Chargers minus three against the Titans. I don't like 
the Chargers coaching staff. I really don't. And, you know, I'm not going to get involved with the whole debate that's been taking over social media the last two weeks. Is Justin Herbert good or not? I think he's a very young, promising quarterback that makes mistakes, but that's okay when you're under the age of 25. I think he's got a long way to go in this league. But, dude, the one guy in the NFL that people have been betting against for not, you know, one year, two years, multiple years, four years now, People have been betting against Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans, and all that guy does is cover numbers. Every year, it seems like they have a winning record against the spread. They play very physical football at the line of scrimmage. It's tough to run on them, and they make you money, dude. I mean, you look at Tennessee's record right now against the closing number, 8-5 and five ATS. Only three teams are better against the spread. Cincinnati, New York Giants, Detroit. Tennessee makes you money. And that's going to be a very sharp play this week. People are going to take Tennessee plus three on the road. I never want to lay points with the Chargers. I like to take points with them, but I don't like laying numbers, especially those very small home numbers minus three. So your Patriots are not really your Patriots, but uh, Sam works in New England, Nesson. The uh, Patriots, your region's Patriots out here against the Raiders. And New England is one. You ever read on this one? (laughs) Do I have to? I've told you all season, Josh McDaniels blows. And you got you and Adam Hill are like, ah, oh, give him time. This guy, not only has he lost to a coach who was hired for the first time in season, Jeff Saturday, he just lost to a quarterback who got cut on Monday and had two days to learn a playbook and lost on Thursday. So that is alarming in itself. But really, Steve, I don't like either team in this game. And if I could get the Raiders at plus 105 or even money, money line, I would think about that. New England doesn't really have any serious edges in this game. And we give Belichick way too much credit for this defense. The last four wins. Can you name the quarterbacks? Can you name one of the quarterbacks that they've beaten? I cannot. Fire away. Zach Wilson. Sam Ellinger. Zach Wilson. Colt McCoy. Like, okay, the defense beat really bad quarterbacks. Like, it's not, let's not gargle over Bill Belichick. This is an average team with a mangled offensive line, a mediocre quarterback. The defense, stylistically, yes, is good. That's how they're built and that's how things are schemed. But every good quarterback they faced Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins, they lose. So, really, you're betting. Derek Carr and the weapons against Belichick's defense. And I would give Las Vegas the slight advantage, but then I'm betting Josh McDaniels against Bill Belichick. So this game has me in a freaking pretzel, man. Sam's nice enough to join us when he's got uh, plans. He's got a late dinner with the parents. I saw your, was it a stuffed pork shop you got over the weekend? My God. Oh, um, dude, you got to get out here. I'm, I'm telling you, like, food. Boston is so sensational in so many ways. But I think, and I'll, I'll take care of it. Look, after the first of the year, I'll take care of this. But I think before Thanksgiving and to where we are right now, I have gained 20 pounds. I'm not even kidding. Everything is covered in cheese and sauce. It was that's a stuffed that, that, Italian pork yeah, chop that looked outrageous. with prosciutto and mozzarella and roasted red peppers and pasta. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, I need a new suit now. All right, Sam, have fun with your parents, and we appreciate the time today. Thanks, pal. See you.